All right. Hello. Welcome in. It is another Tuesday night here, April 27th, days before the start of the NFL draft. My name is Connor Riley here with Dog Nation. We're talking the latest with the NFL draft, Georgia football, where some of these guys might go. The NFL draft, one of my favorite events. We're really going to blow it out tonight. Project where we think some guys' best potential NFL fits are because for a lot of these guys, where you end up and where you start your career really, I think, goes a long way in determining just how successful you are. For example, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. Nick Chubb went into a great situation in Cleveland that really allowed him to develop where Sony Michelle was put in a place where he was able to play right away. And you have both sort of seen those guys have the success that they have at the NFL level. So we'll get on that a little bit. We're going to talk about the guys who could potentially be first round picks and why I think that is so important for Georgia, even if you are not a big NFL or NFL draft fan, getting as many first round guys in the first round as you can. I think it's really important, does have a tangible impact on your college program, especially in terms of who you're able to go out and recruit. That'll be our, our main topic tonight. And then we'll end looking ahead a little bit. ESPN did a story today on who Georgia's most interesting NFL draft prospect is. They went with George Pickens. I disagree a little bit with them there. We'll get into some of the guys who I think actually might be better draft prospects a year from now compared to where Pickens is obviously coming off of his knee injury. But got a full show if you've got questions ask them on youtube we're live on youtube at eight o'clock every every tuesday night if you're listening on the podcast thanks for tuning in go ahead and hit that subscribe review rate however you go about doing it whatever platform you listen to we're really trying to build that out and we'll be there every wednesday morning for you on your works uh on your commute to work but tuesday nights we are live on youtube on video hop in ask questions i'm sure we've got some of the regulars in there that are having a great time so Without further ado, our sort of main topic, first read of the night, Georgia would really, really benefit if Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell, along with Aziz Ojolari, all go in the first round of the NFL draft. And I'm going to break down a little bit of the reasons why specifically that matters so much, but I want you, right now, Aziz is the only one that feels probably the safest first round pick, and right now I don't even know how safe he is given it seems that he's moved down a little bit lately in some of these mock drafts, largely just because it seems like these pass rushers, not everyone is as high on them as, say, the quarterbacks at the beginning of the draft or even those offensive tackles in the mid-round stage there. Alabama is going to have, at the very worst, five first-round draft picks on Saturday, on uh, on Thursday night, possibly even six. And if Landon Dickerson hadn't torn his ACL and was healthy and able to go, that could possibly be even seven. And that is absolutely going to catch recruits' attention, matter. Alabama is absolutely going to use that as marketing material. They do as good a job as anyone as developing talent, which is why they are so easily able to rep, uh, replenish it when it comes to recruiting because Pro- Prospect X sees that player Y at Alabama became a first-round pick, and if they can do that with him, they can absolutely do that with me. Georgia, as it continues to get more and more established under Kirby Smart, they're not going to be able to sell playing time in the same manner that they were early on in that 2017, in that 2018 class. You're already sort of starting to see this with the offensive line. Georgia's going to have to really win some recruiting battles with guys like Tyler Booker and Addison Nichols and really sell them on their ability to develop them into potential NFL draft picks if they're going to end up landing those top 100 prospects. Now, Georgia on the offensive line does have a really good track record. Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson were both first-round picks a year ago. Solomon Kinley was a starter for the Dolphins. I expect Ben Cleveland to join them among those drafted, potentially Trey Hill as well. But that's sort of the example you're going to have to start seeing with Georgia and why Georgia 
Edwards has been able to recruit so well on the offensive line. And the same can very much be said for the running back position. You see Nick Chubb, you see DeAndre Swift, Sony Michelle. Like a year from now, you'll see Zamir White. When you're able to recruit those positions and then prove that you're able to get these guys drafted high and very high, and in some cases in the NFL draft, it pays dividends on the recruiting trail. And ultimately, Georgia, they need to continue to keep that recruiting momentum because they may not have the number one class every year. Last year, they slid back a little bit and finished in fourth. But if you're consistently getting and scooping up that crop of top five recruiting classes where you're competing with an Alabama, an Ohio State, Clemson, LSU has been in the top five these past couple of seasons. If you're doing that, you're still able to compete on a down-to-down basis, especially against those big teams. And I think most importantly, it increases the margin of error you're able to have in games. Other than really the South Carolina game, there haven't been a lot of fluky random one-off losses. And I think a big reason for that is the talent disparity. And for Georgia to continue to impress recruits and say, hey, Look at Aziz Ojolari, a guy who was a mid-four-star recruit, came here, developed him, turned him into a potential first-round pick. A guy like Eric Stokes, third-round pick. Excuse me, not third-round pick. A three-star prospect, someone we developed into a potential top 50, maybe even a first-round pick. And perhaps most importantly, more than anyone, the guy that I am most interested in seeing where he goes on draft day for Georgia is Tyson Campbell because Campbell arrived at Georgia as a five-star prospect. He was the number two cornerback in his recruiting class behind Patrick Sertain, who is going to be the first cornerback taken on on Thursday night, probably by the Dallas Cowboys with the number 10 overall pick. Campbell did not have the career that, that Patrick Sertain had. Sertain was easily the best corner in the country last year, Thorpe Award winner, deserving of that number one pick. Campbell, it always felt like he didn't reach his potential at Georgia. I think Stokes was the better on-field cornerback last year. But Tyson Campbell still made some impressive plays from time to time, and he's always going to have the measurables. 6'1", 193 pounds, ran a 4'3", to impress NFL teams. That's why even though he was not as good as a college player as Eric Stokes was, I absolutely believe he is someone who could potentially go even higher than Stokes. And you sort of heard the chatter. Tom Pelissero today, Brandon Adams talked about it off the top of his show, mentioning that the NFL.com expert mentioning that Tyson Campbell is someone who could get in that late first round, someone that the Green Bay Packers are potentially looking at. I think the New Orleans Saints at 28 are another team that are looking at Campbell there. And if you're able to show those five-star prospects that, hey, we're able to take you as a five-star prospect, develop you and play you early on in your career at at, at Georgia, and then turn you into a first-round prospect – I think that's an absolute win, and that's a a way that gives you some cachet to go out and continue to get those five-star prospects. I I know Isaiah Wilson didn't have a great year with the Tennessee Titans and probably won't be back in the NFL, but Georgia being able to say, hey, we took this five-star kid from New York, was really raw, didn't play his first year, redshirted, played his second, started his third year here at Georgia, turned him into a first-round pick. That absolutely played a big role in Georgia being able to go out and get a guy like a Broderick Jones and get a guy like an Amarius Mims, those five-star offensive tackles. Georgia's going to have to continue to do that in the defensive backfield, especially with the way that Georgia wants to play and really, interestingly enough, continues to evolve in this sort of space of where defenses have to change and adapt to what they want to be going forward. So having potentially two first-round cornerbacks in Campbell and Stokes who – I think potentially could end up there. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But for some of the recruiting battles that Georgia's trying to win right now, that's absolutely going to catch some eyes and say, hey, not only do they have one five-star cornerback like you saw with Alabama 
But they had two cornerbacks go in the first round, and I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch there. Now, touching on the corners a little bit, and we'll wrap up with Aziz and what what he really means because he obviously, I think, is a key part of what Georgia's going to be able to sell going forward, provided he gets into that first round. You look back at recent seasons, and one of the things Tom Palacero talked about in his piece this morning on NFL.com, and I'll make sure to link to this uh, once we get this podcast posted to the website, is a run on cornerbacks. And you're going to see this with various position groups, I think, without the night. Obviously, you're going to see one at the top of the draft with quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is going to go one. Zach Wilson is going to go two. Uh, either Trey Lance or Mac Jones are going to go three. And I believe you're going to see five quarterbacks taken in the top ten with, with Fields and, and Trey Lance going elsewhere in the top ten. Where to, I don't know yet. I think teams might potentially trade up. I would hope that uh, if Justin Fields somehow falls to eight, the Patriots trade up and go get him. I would be thrilled, and the NFL fans would be kind of furious, but that's okay. Um, you're going to see, I think, in that middle round after Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slayton of Northwestern come off the board in the top 15, those 15 to 25 picks, you're going to see a handful of offensive linemen come off the board. Olivera Vera Tucker from USC, uh, Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State, Christian Darisau out of Virginia Tech, you're going to see those guys come off the board relatively quickly. If Campbell and Stokes end up getting into round one, it's because you're going to see something similar with the cornerback position. Obviously, Sertain. Sertain's probably going to be the first defensive player taken on Thursday night. But in that late stage of the first round there, especially with the wide receiver classes you had last year in the NFL and then this year as well, I I think there's a good chance you see a run on cornerbacks. Someone like Greg Newsom from Northwestern could go high. Um, I'm blanking on some of the other guys, but obviously that's where guys like Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell can really benefit. If you start to see a run on cornerbacks, that might make other teams itchy to try and jump up and grab cornerbacks of their own. Uh, Stokes, if I if I was placing bets right now, I'd put decent odds on Campbell, I think, ultimately sneaking in there. I think teams are always going to be enamored with his size and speed, and that's going to be enough to propel him above a guy like Stokes, even though Stokes tested well, has better ball skills, does everything you want, and there's a reason why Stokes is also labeled as a late rise or a surprise first-round potential pick. But I just think the long-term upside, which again stems all the way back to Campbell being the number two overall cornerback behind Sertain in those 2018 recruiting rankings, that's going to be what propels him, I think, ultimately into the first round. And if Georgia gets Campbell in there and they get Aziz Ojolari and they get two, while it's not going to be the five or six that Alabama get, that's still going to be enough to be able to go out and show, hey, we can – put you in the NFL like Ohio State has, like Clemson has, like these big boys have. Landing the landing the plane here on Aziz Ojolari, he might fall to the second round. Uh, largely because he just, for the same reasons Campbell is rising, I think Ojolari might fall a little bit. He does not have the phys- physical measurables that a Campbell does. If he were 6'4", 260 pounds, He'd be a top 15 pick. He'd be the number one edge rusher in this class, no question. He has the best tape. He has the best college production. But because of the athletic limitations relatively compared to a guy like Jalen Phillips, who's 6'6", 260, uh, Gregory Rosu, who's 6'7", 230, Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, who's a quick twitch guy, Jason Owa, who ran a 4'3", at 6'5", for Penn State. Those guys have the athletic gifts that teams always sort of think, oh, well, he's got these gifts. I can coach him up and we can get him there. Whereas I think Ojolari could potentially slide a little bit because you don't have to coach him up. And that's sort of the benefit of him in that in what you're getting there late in that first round is that he's going to be a productive player and come in and be a leader and be the sort of things you want. But the star potential might not be the same of that of saying, oh, even though Jason Owa had zero sacks last year for Penn State. So 
Ojolari is already obviously a success story. I think you look back at that 2018 recruiting class. Brenton Cox was the five-star, no doubt, no doubt about it, guy that Georgia thought was going to be that great edge rusher. And turns out it's Aziz Ojolari. I really hope for Aziz's sake he does go in the first round because that would be an awesome accomplishment for him. And that would be huge for Georgia to go out to pass rushing recruits out there because I know that is something Kirby Smart has absolutely talked about in being able to say, hey, pass rushers, wide receivers, Positions and areas of concern. Quarterback, we're going to talk about JT Daniels in a little bit here later on. These positions that Georgia hasn't quite developed as well. If you're able to start putting those guys in the league, especially as high first-round picks, that's going to open everything up. If Georgia a year from now gets, say, a George Pickens into the first round, if he gets healthy, tests really well, and does everything that he needs to, if Jermaine Burton, Dominic Blaylock, guys down the line develop into high draft picks, Darnell Washington, for example, that's going to make recruiting and bringing in those difference makers at wide receiver so much easier. And so if Ojolari does that and goes in the first round, I think that's going to be really, really beneficial for Georgia's ability to go out and recruit future pass rushers. A year from now, Trayvon Walker, him going potentially high in the NFL draft, I think is going to be really big for Georgia as it goes out and tries to recruit defensive linemen going forward. Jordan Davis as well. So while you might not be – well, I'm sure all of you are big Georgia football fans – you might not be a big NFL draft fan, but how these players get picked and where they get picked play a huge difference in how future recruits see schools. There are two things recruits really only look for, in my opinion, or value more than anything else in talking with them. The ability to win and get into the college football playoff. Georgia has done that, and if ball breaks a few more ways, they've got a national championship and multiple college football playoff appearances. And the second one is, can you get me drafted high in the NFL? If Georgia does that with Aziz, with Tyson Campbell, with Eric Stokes, that's going to be really, really important for Georgia as it continues to go out and recruit going forward. So that's our first topic for the night. If you have any questions, comments, where you think guys are going to end up, where you want guys to end up, I'm sure we've got some Falcons fans in here who think, oh, you know, Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, they'd be great for corner in that second round there, top of the second round there for Atlanta. I'd be interested to see what they ultimately end up doing. Go ahead and ask away. We've got probably about another 20-ish minutes or so. We'll save those last five minutes. We'll do a Brandon Adams good five minutes for comments there at the end. Uh, Thoughts, what you want, anything you want. We can still talk about G-Day, obviously. Any Georgia news, information, updates you guys want. I wrote about Kyrus Jackson, and I'll have something on George Pickens tomorrow morning. So tons of Georgia stuff, whatever you want, go ahead and ask away. But moving on to our second topic of the night here, Best NFL homes for Georgia prospects. And I touched on this a little bit off the top, but so much of determining how successful you are, especially in a later round prospect, is where you end up going. Are you a good fit for the team you end up playing for? For example, Tom Brady was a perfect fit for Bill Belichick in the early 2000s in the New England Patriots. If he goes to one of the other teams that had passed on him early in the draft, he probably doesn't have the same career that he ended up having. Some of these guys are, are fit-proof. Peyton Mannings, Trevor Lawrence, the, the true difference makers, Andrew Luck, uh, and I'm only naming quarterbacks here. I can eventually think of you know Andrew Thomas for Georgia last year, I think is a good example of a guy who doesn't matter what you do or what, what sort of scheme you want to run. This guy fits and does whatever you want. Nick Chubb, I think, is a, is a great example of that. A, a, a player who is so talented, so obviously talented, he is versatile across whatever you want to run. But for a lot of these guys that aren't first-round picks, which is going to be a majority of Georgia's draft picks, where you end up going and playing plays a huge div- uh, makes a huge difference 
and how your career turns out. Look at a guy like Sam Darnold, for example, went to a terrible situation with the Jets, goes and plays for a coach with Adam Gase, who frankly isn't all that good, and now he's on his second NFL team and almost out of the league. You look at a guy like Josh Rosen, that same draft, goes to Arizona, doesn't have a great first year because he's not surrounded by a lot of talent. They go out, draft Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick. He gets traded, never really found that fit that he was looking for, and ultimately that's why his career didn't turn out the way that it had. So for Guys like a Trey McKitty, a Mark Webb, DJ Daniel, Monty Rice even. Guys who are lower round picks, where you ultimately end up going I think is going to be a huge dividend to whether or not you stick in the league. I think like Richard Sherman went to the perfect place for his talents in Seattle in the fifth round of the 2011 draft. And now because of that, because he landed in the perfect home to start his career, he's going to be an NFL Hall of Famer. And I'm not saying any of the guys that Georgia has – will potentially be that, but where you ultimately end up going plays a huge part in how successful I think you can be in your NFL career. So we went through the 11 guys I think are going to get drafted or could potentially get drafted and sort of labeled out and, and wrote down where I think their best potential fits are. And some of these guys we can project at the top of the NFL draft, specifically the three we touched on off the top, Ojolari, Tyson Campbell, and Eric Stokes. And we'll go through all 11 and sort of list and debate where we think they might be best fits for so without further ado here is our list uh first half of the guys here we'll start with Aziz Ojolari uh I have him his best fit for me is pick 21 to the Indianapolis Colts now it'll depend how many offensive tackles are off the board at that point because that is another area of need for Indianapolis but Chris Ballard is a guy who's he's like Georgia products for a long time and specifically you saw him last year bring in Justin Houston a player he had in Kansas City that was really in a dynamic pass rusher for the Chiefs and even last year for the Colts I I think if there's not a tackle there I think Ojolari could absolutely fit on that Indianapolis defensive front with a guy like DeForest Buckner there in the middle and really make a difference as a pass rusher for Indianapolis Uh, obviously how Carson Wentz develops there is going to determine their long-term success. But they're a team that is, I think, very close to being a Super Bowl contender. And while Ojolari might not have the upside of a Jalen Phillips or a Quiddy Pay, I think what he's able to bring right now might actually be more valuable to the Colts than that potential long-term upside. I think that 21 to 23 range is really where I might expect Ojolari to go if he is going to go in the first round. 22 to the Tennessee Titans, 23 to the New York Jets. I think those teams both have similar pass rushing needs. And I think Ojolari is a good scheme fit there. I would say maybe later on a little bit. I don't know if Baltimore is going to go this route defensively early on, but I think Ojolari is a guy that could fit well there, replace Yannick Ngakwe, who went to Oakland this offseason. So I absolutely think that Indianapolis is his best fit, but those late 20s I think is a place you could see him go I could see Ojolari possibly going high as 14 to Minnesota if they really fall in love with him and and like what he brings as a prospect so uh, that'll be Aziz's best fit there the Indianapolis Colts Uh, for Tyson Campbell the Falcons fans might not love this but I think at 28 I think it'd be a really good pick there for him someone who can play alongside Marshawn Lattimore someone who has the ability to play early, but sort of converse to Aziz Ojolari has that long-term upside that you really need if you're the Saints because you are so cap-strapped and you can't really make a lot of additions to your roster. So one way to go about doing that is taking a player who has immense potential and could really develop into a star with time. Obviously, this roster, similar to the Colts, is really going to depend on what they get out of their quarterback position, but I think Campbell there to 28, I think it'd be a really good fit for him. They're a team that could use some cornerback help. Eli Apple, I believe, uh, 
left New Orleans this offseason. So Tyson Campbell there at 28. I think Green Bay at 29. I think the Falcons at the top of the second round. I think Tyson Campbell will not make it past pick 40. Uh, moving on to our next guy here, Eric Stokes. Uh, Mike Griffith is just totally flummoxed by how this guy is in a first-round pick. He's got some impressive tape. He had four interceptions a season ago. Blazing speed, ran 4-2-5 at Georgia's Pro Day. Good size. Three-year starter, two-plus-year starter at Georgia. Does everything you'd really want. A great teammate, beloved there in Athens. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy who that 40, that maybe not the first round, I'd be surprised if he does go there. But early Friday night, that top of the second round, I think you're going to see at, that's when that run on cornerbacks comes. And I think that right there is where Stokes is ultimately going to fall. I think a team like the Los Angeles Chargers is really where I see him going. A guy who can come in and start right away. And they're a team that, you know, I think they're on the upswing and landing a guy like Stokes who maybe more so than Tyson Campbell can play right away, help you contribute. And with facing Patrick Mahomes, with facing those Denver Broncos receivers that they have, Jerry Judy, a guy Stokes has matched up with, I think quarterback is a place that the Chargers absolutely look at and Stokes would be a really good fit to play there right away. Similarly, sticking out west with our next guy, we're going to go Ben Cleveland. The I wrote Oakland. I should have said Las, uh, Las Vegas Raiders. They overhauled their, uh, their offensive line this offseason. They need these guys in the worst way. I think Ben Cleveland really fits with what they want to do there in Oakland. It can really make a difference early on, play right away. He is a scheme fit for there. They like big physical guys. He can absolutely play guard for them. I think that's a spot maybe late third round, early fourth round is potentially where you could see Cleveland go off the board. And potentially following similar footsteps to Solomon Kinley did a season ago where, he yeah, he wasn't the high draft pick that Isaiah Wilson was but went to a spot that was really good for him and emerged as a starter. Up next, Monty Rice, Green Bay Packers. Green Bay absolutely needs to get better at the off-ball linebacker position. I think Monty Rice can absolutely do that. Cornerback is another area. You could see both, I think, either Eric Stokes or Tyson Campbell go to Green Bay there. But I, I think for Monty, a guy who can play early, can play in passing downs, I think Monty Rice and Green Bay would be a really good fit for both players. This is one, quite frankly, I'm really wishing for. Uh, Richard LeCount to the New England Patriots. I know he did not test well. That is well discussed. But for the last three years when he was a starter in the Georgia secondary, he absolutely screams an NFL player to me. They've got experienced veterans there. I think he would absolutely fit in with the culture there. He understood it at Georgia. It's a similar type of environment up there in New England where they demand excellence. And I think Richard LeCount, maybe not a year one starter, but they have some experience and some depth back there in the secondary, and I think that'd be a good landing spot for him. Picking up the pace here a little bit, next guy on our list, DJ Daniel, another cornerback. I think someone who is going to potentially go higher than some people consider. I consider going to the New England Patriots here, but I want to diversify and, and maybe not double up on some certain players going to the same teams. I think Philadelphia has a need at cornerback position, and I think DJ Daniel could be a good low-round value for them, someone who plays sticky man coverage, willing to get handsy, You know, might not have the upside, which is why he is not rated higher as a prospect and did not play a whole lot year, last year coming off the ankle injury. But someone could be a really interesting value add, and with Philly and the issues they've had in the secondary year after year after year, I think that could be a really good spot for him. Jacksonville Jaguars, Trey Hill. Cincinnati, or uh, excuse me, well, yeah, Cincinnati and the next team on our list could certainly be an area where they look to add an offensive lineman. But I think with Trey, Jacksonville wants to have a very physical offensive line, and he fits there. I don't believe he's going to be a center at the NFL level. I think he's a guard. But I think, again, almost to a T with Solomon Kinley is someone who 
can potentially play early on if he goes to the right team. I, I don't know if that's Trey Hill. I don't know if he has that ability, but I think the Jacksonville Jaguars would be a really good place, especially as they try to surround Trevor Lawrence there. Trey McKitty, the Cincinnati Bengals, I, I think, make a really interesting case for him, assuming they don't pick Kyle Pitts at five. I, I, I think Trey McKitty, similar to DJ Daniel, someone who was maybe a little underutilized in their time at Georgia, he had a, less than 10 receptions last season, but as someone who good athlete is able to make plays when called upon and, and you know as they try to surround Joe Burrow with options I think McKitty could be a really good player I think he improved as a blocker last year Mark Webb New York Giants New York Giants love them some Georgia Bulldogs especially the Kirby Smart Bulldogs Lorenzo Carter Tate Crowder Andrew Thomas they have shown they love physical Georgia football players. Mark Webb fits that to a T. Might be a nickelback, might be a pass coverage linebacker. I don't know if he's an every down safety, but a late round pick, a guy that can play special teams for them would not surprise me to see Dave Gettleman dive back into Athens and pick a Georgia Bulldog there. And lastly, Malik Herring, Arizona Cardinals. Arizona's an older team. They're making a push to try to get into the playoffs this year. They've spent some of their draft capital to trade for veterans. They bring in a guy like J.J. Watt. Malik Herring's not going to be 100% to start training camp. He might not be 100% to start the season. But I think he's a guy who over time could develop into a valuable piece on a defensive line. In a place like Arizona, where they're not going to need him to play right away, I think it would be a really good potential fit for him. Hopefully he gets his name called. If he had not torn his ACL, I absolutely think think that a team would have taken him, just given his positional versatility. And really, I think untapped potential in terms of usage. He was not asked to be a pass rusher or sack master in his time at Georgia. And so because of that, I think he is absolutely someone who a team could find later on if they're willing to be patient with him as he recovers from an ACL injury. I think he's someone that could really benefit and have a potential long career so long as he finds the right home. That's sort of the the big thing with all of this. It's not so much where you get drafted if that's going to determine how successful your career is. It's who drafts you and who's willing to be patient and take the lumps that always come with rookies at that NFL level. So those are sort of our best homes. Moving on here into our third topic, we're going to continue draft. We're going to hit draft hard. I love the NFL draft. It's one of my favorite events. I love covering it. I love watching it. I will watch every hour from pick one to pick 256. I'm excited to see how it turns out. But I'm going to look ahead a little bit to the top 2022 NFL draft draft prospects for next season. And this was sort of spurred on ESPN today. They did their most interesting or most intriguing draft prospect for 2022, essentially looking at all the guys on the 2021 teams. And for Georgia, they picked George Pickens. And that's an interesting selection to me because George ACL ACL injury that is going to be coming off had good production, but he never had that truly great season. But obviously the traits and talent are there. does have some off-field concerns, character issues, as you saw in his time at Georgia, but how he responds to this ACL injury is, I think, really going to be determining how high he ends up going in the draft. He could absolutely be a first-round pick if he comes back and looks good at the end of the season. I could see teams also being cautious with him with his draft status going forward. But some of the guys, and I didn't include Pickens on here because I'm a dope, but he he probably should be on here. But these were five guys that I wanted to sort of talk about in addition to George Pickens. And we'll start at five and work our way up here as I pull up the list for you guys watching on YouTube. I have Nolan Smith at number five. I think similarly to Aziz Ojolari, he is a guy who it doesn't have the length 
or size that you would want from a traditional edge rusher. He's going to have to do multiple things at the next level. But I think Nolan has a chance to have a really big year this year, doing a lot of the same things that Aziz did a season ago. And if he blossoms similarly to the way Aziz did a year ago, it would not surprise me if we were talking about Nolan Smith as an NFL draft prospect. Uh, next up on our list, Jamari Sawyer. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be a left tackle at the next level, but I, I think you've seen guys like Isaiah Wynn, Elijah Vera Tucker this year for USC, guys who played left tackle in college. And their draft prospect was bumped up because of that, because they also had the positional versatility to move into guard. I imagine during the course of the 2021 season, we're going to see Jamari Sawyer at guard a good bit, and that'll help give NFL teams a better sense of where he's going to end up going. But in terms of ability, he is a stud offensive lineman. I absolutely believe he's going to be a second or third round draft pick. And if, if things go well for Georgia, I absolutely believe he could work his way up into the first round. He is versatile. He's everything you want. Maybe you wish his arms were a little bit longer, but he's a stout offensive lineman and someone that NFL teams are absolutely going to want a season from now. And he's a senior. Obviously could t- potentially take advantage of that extra year granted by the NCAA. But I think uh, uh, Jamari Sawyer is going to, someone, going to be someone who is absolutely drafted. Adam Anderson. Adam is our um, our Tyson Campbell type player. I think teams are just going to become enamored with what he could potentially do, similar to the way I think a Lorenzo Carter was and a Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd was a top 10. Uh, yeah, he was the number 10 overall pick in the 2016 NFL draft, I believe. And Georgia's really going to use him in a variety of ways this year. Obviously, we know he can rush, rush the pass, so that's going to be a given. That I quite frankly think that if he had declared this year, he would have been drafted solely because of how he's able to get around the edge and rush and affect the quarterback. But in Georgia this season, they're going to use him in a different ways. They're going to ask him to drop in coverage, to, to play a more off-ball linebacker role. And if he's able to excel in that role, I think it's really going to increase his value and sort of you encourage NFL teams to say, hi, I can be whatever you want me to be. You want me to be an edge rusher? Great. You want me to be a designated pass rusher? Cool. I can be on the down. I can be on the field in early downs as a physical sort of defensive back outside linebacker hybrid that I think you're going to see him be used at, at Georgia this season. And, and also obviously still at the end of the day, rush the passer, but positional versatility and just all around upside is why Adam Anderson, a five-star prospect similar to Tyson Campbell in that 2018 recruiting class is someone who is going to be, a top prospect come the NFL draft next season. Similar to Sawyer, he is a senior. Next up on our list is the quarterback. I gave long and a hard thought to putting JT Daniels at number one because if he has a great and phenomenal season, we just know quarterbacks rise and go earlier in the draft. And yes, even though I expect five guys to go in the top 10, I think as many as eight go in the first two rounds with Kellen Mond, Davis Mills of Stanford, and Kyle Trask of Florida coming off the board there in the late first and second rounds. There's always going to be need for quarterback. There are, as of right now, there are not 32 good NFL starting quarterbacks, and because of that, there are going to be teams needy at the beginning of next year looking for a guy that could potentially be their starting quarterback QB one. I think JT Daniels absolutely has the talent and ability to develop into that. He needs to continue to do what he did at the end of last season, what he did in Georgia's spring game. But if he continues to look the way that he has looked, he is absolutely, in my mind, going to be a bona fide first-round pick. He has the arm strength. He is regaining the mobility in that knee that allows him to move maneuver in the pocket. He is not a, a sprinter. He's not Justin Fields. But I think you've seen some interesting things from him with the way he's able to move and move around in the pocket. And as he continues to get more comfortable in that knee, I, I think that's going to be a big step for him as he emerges as an NFL draft prospect and in dealing with him and talking with him, 
a leader, respected, all checks all the boxes off the field, has handled the pressure that comes with not only being a five-star quarterback, being a freshman quarterback at USC, being a quarterback at the University of Georgia. That is a unique amount of pressure that not every draft prospect has to go through, and I think he has handled that flawlessly. So if JT has a really big season, he could absolutely be the number one pick. But I, I wanted to give another guy who was never going to be a national media type pick of someone who could be a first-round draft pick. But our number one guy who a year from now I think NFL teams are absolutely going to be talking about is Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker, similarly to Adam Anderson and Tyson Campbell, can do anything he wants athletically. There is a reason that Kirby Smart has talked about using Trayvon Walker in a way no defensive end has really been used at Georgia since he came here. He spoke during the spring about Malik – or. not only is Trayvon going to have to replace Malik Herring, who is an NFL draft draft prospect this year, he's going to have to replace what Aziz Ojolari did. He is an absolute stud athlete, plays on kickoff teams, really just has all the athletic gifts in the world that you would want. And if he's able to turn some of that potential into production this season, I think he's going to be a very high NFL draft pick. He can play along the defensive line, and those guys tend to rise because of their ability to get after the passer. If he's able to do that and showcase that this year, whether it be from an end position or coming up the middle when he pairs on the passing down package with a guy like Jalen Carter, he can move around fronts. He has the athleticism to hold the edge in the run and affect the quarterback in the passing game. I think a year from now, Trayvon Walker has top 10, top 5, potentially even pick possibilities if he develops and continues to become the player that a lot of us, and Kirby Smart included, thinks he can be in. And sort of talking about our lead subject off the top of the show tonight, Tyson Campbell, the five-star cornerback coming into Georgia, developing into a first-round draft pick. If Georgia's able to do that with a defensive lineman and Malik Herring, something they have not, or excuse me, not Malik Herring, but Trayvon Walker, if he's able to develop into a first-round draft pick, that's going to allow Georgia to get really a lot more guys that they have not had. Trayvon Walker was, I believe, the first five-star defensive lineman that Kirby Smart had landed in his time at Georgia, and since then he's added a guy like a Jalen Carter, and I think Jordan Davis has developed into a five-star player in college. But you, you land a guy like Trayvon Walker, put him into the first round of the NFL, show that you're able to develop defensive linemen like him, that's going to make getting guys like Walter Nolan in 2022, uh, Travis Shaw in 2022, Labius Overton in the 2023 class. If you're able to show those guys that you can develop those five-star defensive linemen into first-round draft picks, that is going to make your recruiting so much easier for those key positions because Alabama has built their dynasty. Yes, they've turned it around and gone more offensive in recent seasons, But Alabama's bread and butter has always been stout defensive lines. And if Georgia is able to start turning those guys, turning a Trayvon Walker into a first-round draft pick, like the litany list of Alabama players that have done that, Quinn Williams, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, I could keep going, Marcel Darius all the way back. If if Georgia starts doing that, that's going to make it much, much easier to recruit those guys and get those guys in your program. And at the end of the day, help potentially make the difference against an Ohio State, against a Clemson, against an LSU against an Alabama. So with all that, that is our main show for tonight. We're going to open it up for questions, thoughts, comments, anything you guys want to talk about. We can talk about draft. We can talk about Georgia football. I'll answer some questions on Georgia basketball. If you want to ask me them, Georgia baseball, I know they're taking on Georgia Tech tonight. So that'll be interesting to see how they come. They're playing while they absolutely have to win the series against Auburn this weekend because it's really their last really winnable series because they go at Arkansas, at Florida, home for Ole Miss, three ranked teams to end the season. So it'll be really interesting to see how all that sort of ends for Georgia when it comes to baseball. Uh, Let's see. 
questions, comments. Um, John Adams, maybe not first round, but Jordan Davis. Yeah, Jordan's going to be an interesting case. Uh, if he is able to pack, generate more of a pass rush this season and is put in those sort of situations, I think it's absolutely going to help potentially vault him into the first round. But at the very least, he's a draftable NFL player because of what he does against the run. Some guys, like I know Matt Miller, had potentially mentioned him as a first-round draft pick at different times. If Jordan Davis is able to get in shape, not get in shape, but stay in shape over the course of the season, like Kirby Smart has challenged him to do so, I think he is another guy who, while he doesn't have the upside, I believe, that a Trayvon Walker does, is someone who can absolutely be drafted. Someone, I think, similarly to an Aziz Ojolari, in the sense that he's a really good football player, though Jordan obviously has better size than Aziz does, but someone who you know might not have their untapped potential when they get to the next level, but is someone who you know you're absolutely going to be able to get the most out of uh, on your team. That's why Aziz, I think, should be a first-round draft pick because I believe he helps, especially those teams in the late 20s, is going to be able to help those teams early on in their uh, in their careers more so than maybe a guy like a Gregory Rosu who does need to develop a little bit more. Uh, yeah, Crow King brings up. N'Kobe Dean is another name. I, you know, I wanted to keep it to five, but there, there are a lot of really talented players in that 2019 and 2018 signing classes for Georgia. Dean could absolutely follow a Roquan track, and if he's the best player on Georgia's defense this year, he'll be talked about as a first-round draft pick. Now, traditionally, off-ball linebackers don't go very high in the first round. Even this year, a guy like Michael Parsons, who has all the athletic gifts bigger than Kobe Dean, probably faster than Kobe is, has some off-field concerns that obviously Kobe doesn't. But he's even sliding a little bit. So Nakobe, while could absolutely be a first-round talent, I think the thing that I think about is a team's really just going to draft first-round off-ball linebackers because while Tampa Bay won while having two great ones, the NFL has yet to really fully believe that those guys make the impact that, say, defensive backs and uh, defensive linemen make. Um... Demar, you, you call him no-show Nolan. He was playing behind a first-round pick in Aziz Ojolari, and Nolan's played pretty well at times when asked to go in there. I think that's being a little harsh on Nolan. And, yeah, Lewis seen is nice, but I, I think similarly that you've seen with Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell, what are the ball skills? Lewis seen hasn't shown the playmaking skills necessary yet to be a high NFL draft pick, especially at that safety position, because similar to off-ball linebacker, safeties just don't go all that high in the NFL. And if you're not making plays, then if you're not a playmaker, like even say Richard LeCount was, then I don't know if NFL teams are going to be willing to, to spend a high NFL draft pick on you. Um, croaking, yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, Trey Hill's long-term home is going to be a guard and not so much center. Um, I, I don't think he's an NFL-level center. Uh, VTW brings up, he thinks eventually Campbell will be a safety. That was something that was always sort of mentioned in his career at Georgia, but one of the reasons you don't move him to safety is because, I mean, Richard LeCount was a five-star safety, and he was a great player at Georgia, but if you can get those five-star cornerbacks, those Derek Stingley's, Patrick Sertains, those guys that are so obviously cornerbacks, and you're able to develop those guys into first-round cornerbacks, it makes getting that next wave all the easier. And so because of that, you know, I, I think that's a big reason why George always wanted to stick it out with Tyson Campbell and say, Hey, we developed you into a first round corner rather than say a first round safety. Michael Tiffany. Yeah. I, I, as a new England Patriots fan, I would not love it. If, um, 
if Aziz went to the Jets. One, because that would mean that uh, you'd have to see him twice a year. But two, because the Jets just ruin everyone's careers. And it's, it's rather unfortunate. Um, let's see. Yeah, and Croaking brings up Swift to the Lions. That's another perfect example. And DeAndre Swift was really good last season. It's just playing for Detroit is last season was one of the most joyless experiences. Playing with Matt Patricia is not fun. So that'll be uh, interesting to see how he continues to develop. To develop. Uh, James Lawton asks uh, about Dan Lanning. Uh, the answer to that is no. He is not one of the finalists. I believe Mike Elko, Lance Leopold, the Buffalo head coach, and – Jeff Munkin, the Army head coach, are sort of the three finalists there. I that landing to Kansas never really made a whole lot of sense to me, other than I guess the geography of landing being from the Kansas City area. But if, if landing waits and is patient, and Georgia has a very good season, Dan Landing is going to get, end up getting a much much better head coaching job than the University of Kansas can offer. And so because of that. I always thought Landing's best move was to be patient, and wait, and and quite frankly, I think the Texas defensive coordinator job is a better coaching job right now than the Kansas head coaching job. So if Lanning's able to turn that down and the money that comes with that, he's not going to be wooed by Kansas, I think. Um, Dennis Wilson popping in. I'm sure he's got some questions and comments. Um, Demar, you bring up like four linebackers. That Those guys are all four players over the last four years. That's not a great track record when – you know, last year alone, there were four cornerbacks taken in the top 16 picks. You have to be a truly special off-ball linebacker to go in the first round there. VTW, Adam Anderson played a different position than Aziz Ojolari and Nolan Smith did. Uh, that's just, to, to, to say that Nolan Smith and, and Adam Anderson play the same position, it just tells me that you're not necessarily watching what they do on defense. Adam Anderson was asked to do a lot of different things than what Nolan does, when in reality... Aziz was the starting jack for Georgia last year, blocking Nolan Smith from playing a whole lot. I, I don't know when or why people sort of turned on Nolan Smith, but it, maybe it just stems from him being a five-star prospect, number one overall prospect in the uh, 2019 recruiting class. But I've seen nothing from him that indicates that he won't be a good player. I, I think his biggest thing is just that he was being blocked by Aziz or Delari, and you're not going to play two guys in that same position because they're just very different players. Adam Anderson is 6'6", long athletic defender. Aziz is closer to 6'2", 250. Nolan Smith, 6'3", 250. Those guys are very different body types and ask to do very different things. And, you know, I I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you guys have been listening to Mike Griffith too much. I I don't know what it is, but Nolan Smith is still going to be a really good player, and I I think he's going to have a very good season for Georgia this year. He just Again, you're playing behind a first-round draft pick in Aziz Ojolari. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't have Aziz and celebrate Aziz for what he was and what he developed into and say, well, why can't uh, Nolan Smith do the same thing? The reason why is because Aziz became who Aziz was. So I I think that's sort of what it is. And and DeMart, again, not to go at you, but – I mean, they pretty regularly stuck with the same four unit. Uh, it was Trayvon Walker, Jalen Carter, Aziz Ojolari, and Adam Anderson. That was their pass rushing four that they would try primarily use there. They weren't rotating a whole lot on there. Jordan Davis wasn't getting a whole lot of pass rushing sacks or snaps a season ago. So, again, I just be patient with Nolan Smith. I think he's going to be a really good player for Georgia and has the physical and potential upside to be a high NFL draft pick. So...
Um, let's see. Any other comments or questions? How McGurk, this might be our last one. What's the safety depth looking like? I actually, well, so I think they're going to have three top line guys that are as good as you could want in college football. And Lewis seen Chris Smith and Tyke Smith when he gets here. Now Tyke is going to move, I think to that star position. But those are all guys that can play safety for you. And I think do so at a high level. Obviously Lewis seen has, I think the highest upside there, but Chris Smith is a really solid defender and someone who, I think you like a lot there. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop there. But behind them, they're really having to develop guys. A guy like David Daniel, Major Burns, they're going to have to figure out a way to develop because Smith is going to be gone at, or Chris Smith is going to be a senior this season. Tyke Smith could potentially be a one and done at Georgia if he plays very well this year. And, and Lewis Seen is a potential draft eligible junior. I know in the recruiting ranks right now, they're going hard after a guy, Kamari Wilson, who's the number one safety in the country, five star prospect. They have a guy in Malachi Starks who's going to start off playing safety for them. So they're recruiting that safety position hard. And how they are recruiting that position, I think, should tell you about the depth going forward for Georgia at safety. So that'll probably do it for me tonight. Nolan is too small. Nolan is bigger than Aziz Ojolari. I would just throw that out there. So uh, with that, that is going to be our show tonight. Hope everyone has a great Tuesday night. You're going to have Jeff on tomorrow with you guys before the head, just talking the latest. I believe tomorrow, officially, the transfer and NLI policies are officially rubber stamped past. They're through. It's over. We're moving on. Hell, I that. I believe we're going to have cover for this week. We've got a ton of NFL draft coverage and content planned for you guys this weekend. Mike Griffith and I, uh, Brent Adams every Monday through Friday, obviously. So, and then Mike Griffith on Monday nights with On the Beat. So, make sure to check that out. My name is Connor Riley. This has been Connor and Coverage. Stay tuned for Dog Nation. We're going to have a ton of updates with the draft this week, obviously. And as we get deeper into the offseason, more and more on this Georgia team going forward. So, everyone have a great Tuesday night. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Connor and Coverage. My name is Connor Riley.